Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our most courageous lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness, and empower you to feel your absolute best. Join us as we in our community share our courageous wellness. This week on the podcast, we sit down with Doug Bertram, the CEO of Structural Elements. Structural Elements has been treating orthopedic conditions for over 20 years. With three locations in the U.S., the company was founded on the idea that better orthopedic care exists. Instead of treating symptoms alone, they look at the body from the ground up. On this episode, we have a fascinating conversation with Doug about his personal journey and all things orthopedic wellness. We also discuss fascia, connective tissues, effects on global health, the parasympathetic nervous system, the connection between posture in relation to physical illness, and why some people recover from injury while others do not. Allie and I learned so much from Doug, and I think it might be one of our favorite episodes of the whole year, and we just can't wait for you to hear it. Let us know what you think and tag us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness. Enjoy the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Ned. Ned produces the highest quality full spectrum CBD from organic hemp plants sourced entirely from an independent farm in Colorado. Erica and I discovered Ned when co-founder Adrian Zimmerman was a guest on our show. We were both really impressed with the products after trying them. One of the things that really stood out to both of us was the transparency of the brand. Ned actually shares third-party lab results, who their farmers are, and details of the extraction process directly with their consumers. We strive to be informed consumers, and Ned makes the process really accessible. I have become a dedicated user of Ned products and have been able to replace my monthly use of ibuprofen to manage period discomfort with Ned's Natural Cycles collection of salves, tinctures, and roll-ons. This collection is slow crafted with love from an extraordinary group of women and provides a more holistic anti-inflammatory and natural pain relief option. So Erica, what's your favorite? My favorite Ned product is definitely their full spectrum hemp oil and I personally use the 750 milligram tincture. When I consistently take it, I notice a huge difference in my anxiety, sleep, and general mood. In addition to the tincture, I also really love applying the hemp-infused body butter to my neck and shoulders before bed. It helps me relax, soothes aches and pains, and allows me to wind down at the end of the day. Ned is also now offering an immunity blend tincture that we are consistently taking. This blend naturally supports our immune system and combines botanicals, herbs, and fungi to offer functional immune support. 100% of profits are also donated to EcoHealth Alliance to support their fight against pandemics and promotion of conservation. If you want to check out Ned and try their products and their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Go to www.helloned.com slash cwpodcast. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash C-W podcast to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. We know you're going to love it. You can also find the direct link in our show notes and check out all of their wellness products. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. 
Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee. And even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout. And there's also a direct link in our show notes. So welcome, Doug. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So to get started, can you tell us a little bit about your personal wellness journey and how it led into the work that you currently do? Yes. I mean, in all fairness, I have to go back to pretty early childhood where uh, my mom was kind of a whack job in most of the rest of my family's eyes. You know, she was into like energy work and stuff when I was a kid. The rest of my family were all attorneys. So they thought she was, you know, kind of uh, uh, a bit crazy, but, um, but, you know, she used to work on me and stuff as, as a kid doing like Reiki and something called Shen therapy. And, and it would take me to chiropractors and stuff when I was, when I was pretty young. So I guess I grew up with just kind of an awareness of, of, you know, uh, modalities outside of conventional medicine. And, uh, really it was, um, freshman year of high school, I broke my wrist playing soccer and, uh, wasn't really happy with the orthopedic surgeon. Uh, he, he was, kind of negative about, you know, don't expect a lot of use out of that hand. And I was like, I'm a 14 year old that lives to play soccer as a goalkeeper. And I had an awesome therapist who was like, don't listen to that. The reason that I do what I do is because of the amazing ability for the body to heal. And, uh, you know, I was starting goalkeeper back in my sophomore year. So uh, that really got me interested in wanting to kind of be on that end of the medical journey um, mm. of really helping people get back to what they love to do. Um, and so I, I knew from pretty much, you know, age 14, that it was going to be something in physical medicine that was, that was going to be where I ended up. So, um, that really, that really guided me. And then I would say the, the other like real pivotal thing was I had a track coach at the end of high school, again, you know, knowing that I was interested, you know, from freshman year on, um, he knew that about me and he convinced me to go to massage school right out of high school. Um, as a as a gateway into being able to work in other environments as I pursued higher education. And he said, you know, if you go to massage school, you could work in a chiropractic office, you could work in a PT clinic, and kind of see what it is that you really want to do for your terminal studies while making a decent living. And that was like a light bulb that went off for me. So um, yeah, I mean, I've been standing over a table for 27 years now, you know, so it's it's, it's been a long journey. Wow. Um, I love, I love hearing that. It's interesting, even, you know, as children, the things that you don't necessarily know, or the experiences you don't necessarily know, they're going to inform later decisions or really have these kind of lasting impacts, like breaking your wrist. Um, I think about that too. Like even in our journeys, the, you know, Erica and I have created this platform based on having, um, health, health issues in, in one way or another, or sort of wellness journeys in their own right. So, um, I'm curious since once you like pursued this higher education path, um, how did you, like, how did you create structural elements? Like how did it lead to what is currently in existence and the kind of work that you do? And I guess this is a two part question just for our listeners. Can you, can you tell us now what your work truly encompasses. Yes, I mean, the, the work that we do now is, is very much structural in nature, hence the name structural elements. People think we're an engineering firm when they first, you know, <laughs> drive past us. And I, and I kind of wear that like a badge. I'm, I'm like, exactly, but it's of the human body, right? And, and we tell people, you know, do you want to wait until a bridge collapses and your car ends up into the ocean for an engineer to come and evaluate its capacity to handle mechanical stress? Or do you want that engineer to certify that the bridge is capable of sustaining traffic before they open it up, right? And so we kind of take that approach with the body is basically, let's look at the body and, and, and look for mechanical weakness ahead of joint deterioration and injury, right? And that's, that's really kind of the approach that we take. And we're of both the kind of uh, myofascial uh, connective tissue school of thought in that, um, yes, the joints are very important in terms of their alignment. Yes, muscle tone and strength and proper length is very important in terms of function. But we really look at the connective tissue as a system of, of either health or dysfunction as our primary inroad to restoring balance of the body. And that was, you know, that was very much kind of 
uh, my first exposure right out of right out of massage school. I went and started studying with John Barnes and started studying myofascial work. Um, really started understanding the importance of, of, of correcting postural adhesions, starting to look at the body based on a, a one complete system versus a series of parts. Um, so a lot of those fundamental differences, I think, kind of got me uh, viewing the body through a, a unique lens at the very beginning. Mm. And um, that got me interested in systems theory. I, I, I you know, started kind of getting into Eastern philosophy a little bit. I, I thought maybe psychology was going to be a path that I was interested in. I went to a Buddhist college in Boulder, Colorado called Naropa University and, and started, you know, uh, really getting into uh, to Eastern philosophy, not, not so much religion, but philosophy. And, uh, and then when it came time for grad school, you know, looking at PT school, looking at becoming an osteopath, a chiropractor, um, Chinese medicine just really kind of won out because of, the, the systems theory. And again, I kind of had this love of, of problem solving based on how to achieve balance versus just, you know, remedy one part. And, and so that's really what led out. Um, and, but even, you know, people are confused and, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to keep this brief, but you know, we're licensed in most States as acupuncturists and it drives me absolutely crazy because I, I said, you'd never, you know, call Thomas Keller of the French Laundry, uh, uh, you know, a spatula chef, right? It's just, a, it's, a, it's a tool in his kitchen, right? But, you know, he's, he's a, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a chef. He's a, you know, he understands cuisine. It, it's, you can't identify him by the tool. And, and in Chinese medicine, acupuncture, the use of a needle, it's just one very simple tool that has hundreds of different uses as to why you place the needle in the body. And it's only one very small part of what we do, you know, so um, the, the meridians are connective tissue. I don't care who you talk to and what they say, you know, I can, I can, I can demonstrate otherwise with, you know, a dissection along, uh, you know, the intramuscular septa and divide the body uh, on a table according to, uh, you know, the, 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 the connective tissue and Thomas Myers of anatomy trains has done excellent work in that. So, um, but that's really the path that we've taken is really looking at this kind of systems theory of Chinese medicine from a connective tissue and biomechanical approach. So hence structural and elements. Mm. I think that's so important and necessary. And I feel like it's so interesting, right? Because human beings were, were I feel like more sedentary than ever before, right? Like we sit at desks or a lot of people sit at desks all day long. They're hunched over on their computers. Um, especially now, especially this year, I feel like more people have been at home, um, haven't had the access to being as mobile or as moving. And I feel like people are, they either are aware of their pain, like they know they're in pain, but they don't know what to do with it. Um, or they're just so used to feeling bad that they don't even realize that they're in pain. It's, it's just so interesting. But so many people I talk to are in so much pain. And why do you think that is like, do you think we've just gone so far away from being in tune with our bodies or why do you think we're like a culture or a generation of people who just feel more pain than maybe our parents um, and grandparents? Did, did they just well, were better at keeping it inside? I, I don't know. It's just so interesting because um, I just feel like everybody I talk to, they hurt, you know, yeah. or so <laughs> which is so I, interesting. I, I think- I think there's, 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 there's a, like a million places I could go with the answer to this, but, um, but I think in general, um, you know, pe- people have always been in pain and, you know, that's, that's nothing new. I think that the difference is, is that people used to hurt at the end of a work day, right? People used to get out and they were mobile and they hurt from exhaustion and overuse, mm-hmm. right? And I think the big difference is a lot of people now hurt from underuse, mm-hmm. okay? So that's, that's one of the big divides that I think I would, I would you know, make for the starters. Um, so I don't think pain is anything new to the human experience. But, but one of the reasons why, you know, people hurt so much now is the body, in my opinion, is intelligently designed to move. And, and, and people always ask me, what's the right sleep position? I'm like, the one that gets you sound asleep. What's the best work position? The one that allows you to change every 20 minutes. Okay, there, there is no one position that the body's meant to be in for, for very long. 
anything, you know, if you have a standing desk, you're going to develop pain in, you know, your, your back or whatever, but you know, in one place. And if you're sitting or on a yoga ball, it's going to be somewhere else. You know, we're just designed to move. We're not designed to sit in cars and behind screens for hours on end. Um, a couple of the mechanisms of why sitting leads to pain is, um, the, the autonomic nervous system is controlled by uh, you know, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic response. Our stress response is located in an area in our body right in the middle of the thoracic spine. They're called the dorsal root ganglia, the sympathetic. And those are all the things that heighten our stress response, okay? That, that, that basically you know, increase our, our heart rate, decrease our respiratory volume, and, and take blood flow out from the extremities and dilate our pupils. And it has all of these, these effects of being able to cope right? And then our parasympathetic is located up in the high occiput and again in our sacrum. So if we're not moving, it's really hard to get into our rest and digest function. Mm -hmm. So posture matters. You know, you go back to your grandma who told you to sit up straight. Well, it's not just, you know, wear and tear on, on your bones and, and you know, and, and avoiding that weird, you know, lump on the back of your neck that, that, that older people hate that they have. It's, it's that you can't self-regulate your stress response if you have poor posture. So a lot of our syndromes or IBS or chronic fatigue or, you know, um, you know, fibromyalgias, a lot of them are a direct response of systemic inflammation in our body from poor regulation of our stress response. Mm. So um, one of the second things that happens when you have poor posture is the big muscles in the body are designed to be prime movers. They're designed to move the body. And as soon as a big muscle takes on a postural role, to support the head, to support an imbalance in the body, you are feeding, metabolically feeding a large muscle. I always say it's like driving a school bus to the grocery store. It's too much muscle for the job. So you are gonna start to go through connective tissue change where you will form something called a focal adhesion, which is extra collagen production, where two muscles are now gonna stick together. Once the muscles stick together, you have increased stimulation on the nervous system, you have decreased vascular flow, you have impeded lymphatic drainage. So that connective tissue, it matters and it fails when we're in one position for too long, you know? And sitting in particular, you know, hip flexors get short, you know, glutes get weak, we get rounded shoulders, you know, what we call big picture posture. So it's really simple, basic stuff that, that we have to like counterbalance. And, and one of the things you mentioned is like, you know, people are sedentary. Well, they are, however, we also have more people that expect to go from sitting for eight hours a day, like right into the CrossFit gym and then wonder why they get hurt, right. right? And so, you know, people expect to be able to just transition into rigorous exercise from a stationary position. And mm -hmm. I tell people one of the most critical things that you can do is first thing in the morning when you get out of bed, get out of bed well, and when you get up from your desk or out of your car, up from your desk thoughtfully, right? Because we've, we're so vulnerable in that moment of how we first go weight bearing. And a lot of incidents happen. Right? There's never a good story about how people, you know, hurt themselves. It's like, oh, I was putting on my shoe or, you know, I was putting my sock on. So what, um, those, what those are is important though, moments. Sorry to interrupt, but what would yeah, be thoughtfully getting up, right? Like what would be, because like I hear that and I'm like, I've never even thought of how I get out of bed in the morning or how yeah. I get off of my chair. So maybe just, sorry to interrupt, but how, no, no, what no, no, is that, thoughtful standing absolutely. or thoughtful movement? Uh, just, just that, being conscious of the fact mm -hmm. when you get up that you're not in a rush. So when you sit, get up in, uh, from bed in the morning, uh, you know, use the weight of your lower legs and, uh, to, to counter balance lifting of your spine and your head and neck. So, you know, let the legs go over the side of the bed and use an arm to push yourself up with a straight spine from a sideline position. Sit on the edge of the bed for a minute, mm -hmm. you know, take a breath, do some spinal rolls where you, you know, uh, bend forward and roll back up, you know, kind of shrugging the shoulders, arching the back. Look at animals. When animals get up from a nap, do they get up and just go, you know, run to the bathroom? No, animals get up. What are those? The first thing that an animal does after it wakes up, it stretches, right? So, you know, take a few nice deep breaths. And when you get up, get up by pushing through both feet equally. Um, the loading of the pelvis when we haven't engaged muscles yet, the pelvis is highly mobile. And a lot of the stability of the pelvis comes from muscular balance. And so, if we've been sitting or if we've been lying down, we haven't reestablished 
that muscular balance yet, you know? And so when we first go back to weight bearing, you want to make sure that you're giving the body a chance to kind of push through the heels and get that, you know, psoas hip flexor glute complex talking to each other. And then your first few steps, you know, good posture, slow, make sure you have a steady gait and then you're going to be good for, you know, for the rest of the day. But if you get up lopsided and you kind of shear things in the pelvis, that's when the low back starts getting angry. It's when muscles tight and funny and, and it's hard to undo that. You know, so wow. Doc, you, I'm like, I'm, no one can see this obviously because we're a pe- podcast, but I'm like my nerd, I'm nerding out because so I like notes now. I, so much of what you're talking about is like speaking to me on a personal level. And there's so many things like I just want to kind of pick your brain on with what you've covered so far. Um, so one of those things that I'm really interested in, because you guys have a Chinese medicine background and connective, you deal a lot with connective tissue and meridians in the body, right? That's what it's based on. Can we talk about the fascia a little Please. bit? Because I'll share this, and I've shared this on the podcast before. I had a tumor. I had a cancerous tumor I got when I was 29, and it was sort of random in my, on my back, in my back. And it was, I had to have a portion of my fascia removed in my upper back. And I've, I'm a huge proponent of acupuncture. I've done a lot of work, but I've also had back pain, lower back pain in all different areas sort of ever since. And, um, I'm just, I'm, so fascinated about can we like talk about the fascia a little bit yeah for sure so i mean it's one of my favorite things to talk about i mean you know i'm 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 many things but a tissue nerd is like the number the the, the top (laughs) of the list you know um there's a there's an international uh congress of fascia research that started in 2007 uh at harvard med school and i was lucky enough to be a part of that first congress and uh, in 2021, it'll be in Montreal, and we're, we're the gold sponsor of, of the event. I mean, uh, connected tissue research and, and really understanding its effects on global health as well as on mechanical issues is like, you know, what really like gets me excited about getting up in the morning, which is as sad as that is. But, um, but basically, you know, people think about connective tissue as, as, as being like gauze or like a mesh or like something that just holds the muscles together, right? Um, it, 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 that couldn't be farther from, from the truth of, of what this tissue really does. Um, it's a system of communication, right? So first and foremost. So when, when, uh, when, when there's force applied somewhere in the body, instead of that force, uh, you know, kind of jamming into a joint or, or tugging on a muscle, it's it, it basically there's the, a sliding system of increasing tension and tone that allow for a lot of communication of what's happening in one part of the body and the rest of the body is, is starting to prepare for the next sequence of movements or or the ability to uh, absorb and 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 deal with and distribute load. So the the fascia is constantly in a state of pre-stress. So it means there's, there's tension on the fascia at all times. Um, and so it's, it's why we kind of have this connectivity throughout our whole body all the time. It's not just nerve signal that comes up to the brain and then we tell it what to do. We're constantly self-sensing through afferent feedback from small nerve endings, largely triggered by dynamic movement within the fascia. When you cut out fascia, or when you stick fascia together and there's no movement, you've lost communication. Mm. Okay. It's like, think of like you, you go up into the mountains and you lost cell signal, right? There's, there's a dark spot in, in, you know, in, in your ability to communicate with the outside world. So what happens is you stop gracefully transmitting force around and through that area. You start loading muscles because of scar tissue and adhesions. You start compensating with movements when you go to reach. Instead of it gliding and you rotating gracefully, you may be pulling through the low back. Um, so it's, it's just um, a very intelligent system of communication throughout the body. Um, it's comprised largely of collagen fibers that are uh, that form the, the structure for fluid-filled vacuoles. And that, that fluid allows for the movement to be able to adapt and glide and slide. And when we either from repetitive use or from trauma or from surgery, um, we 
we have trauma to that fascia, it, the, the collagen fibrils become too close together. The fluid bursts out of the vacuoles, and now we have sticky collagen fibrils that adhere together in, in a lattice that is too close together for a good fluid to animate that mm. tissue. So there's, there's a term called viscoelasticity, which is basically the elastic nature of, of the connective tissue, the ability for it to uh, become deformed and return back to its original shape. And when we lose that through you know, poor diet, through inflammation, through repetitive motion, through surgery, through you know, chemo radiation, like, then we, we have to work to repair that tissue, right? Mm -hmm. And if we don't, dysfunction is going to continue to, to remain. Wow. Thank you. I think that's such a, I mean, it's such a good explanation and I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to talk to you about this stuff because, oh man, there's so many, I, as Erica was saying, there's so many different things that people, um, struggle with, suffer with, and don't even know sort of where to begin. Um, and don't know that there's this whole blend of integrative East and West, East meets West that really like, yeah, Western medicine is so great for acute trauma and care in that sense. Um, I myself am dealing right now with my uh, in within my own family, which is something I'm sure we'll talk about. This is like editable, but you know, we are this will be released sort of later on, maybe end of year, early New Year, and um, you know, my stepfather just broke his C four and is suffering paralysis right now from the neck down. And I, and, and you just talking about the nervous system and talking about, you know, the body's innate ability or desire to heal. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to go into that, especially in the context of like, if someone has experienced a massive um, physical trauma to the body, what, from your perspective, in the work that you guys do with the body, with the structural elements, how, how would you go about, whether the trauma is small or the trauma is massive, how do you go about applying that to help the body regulate when the nervous system is, is, not, yeah, so, is unable to regulate? Right. Yeah. I mean, so there's, um, there, there's, there's two places that I want to jump in with that. Um, first is, is why do some people get better and why do other people not get better? Right. Yes. So, so because the, the same story, the same injuries, the same level of, of dysfunction and some people like I, there's a guy, Harvey Lewis, he's a good buddy of mine. He, um, he's run Badwater a number of times. He attempted the fastest known time in the Appalachian trail a couple of years ago. He just did the fastest time from Badwater, the lowest point in the continental U S to the top of Mount Whitney, you know, in like 34 hours. Um, he had a similar injury to, to what you're explaining. So, um, he had, you know, broke his neck and, and, and when he was in his twenties and, uh, you know, he's like ran to work like seven days later. So, um, so I have, a, I have another patient um, uh, back in the day who um, was one of the um, top uh, women downhill mountain bike racers in the world and um, fractured her pelvis in multiple places. And they're like, oh, that's a career ender. She's done. You know, she'll never ride again. And like six months later, she won the women's downhill mountain bike championship again. Wow. So wow. I asked her, I was like, you know, what, like, what in the world? Like, how is that even possible? Right. And her answer will never be something I forget. She said, I never moved into my broken body. Mm. Like she just, she never saw that as her body. Wow. She saw it as like, my body's strong. My body's able. And, and what I do with my body is race mountain bikes. And she allowed this other, you know, reality to be temporary and to heal. But she, she always stayed connected with her able body. And so I ask people that question a lot, you know, when they come in and they have pain, I say, okay, so I understand that you're in pain. What would you do if this pain wasn't there? How would you use your body today? Right. Let's focus on that. Right. Let's focus on getting you to the activity that you want to do that you're not able to do right now. The pain is just somewhere there in the middle. And if you focus on the pain and the pain is the goal, it becomes the obsession. 
right? If it's just a waypoint in getting back to the active goal, people just don't even remember the day that they stopped hurting because now their pain is is from training or from working out hard as they're getting back to their goal. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So the expectation is not out of pain. It's getting to the active goal of, of, of the restoration of, of the lifestyle. And so that's where we focus. And the other way of saying that is, is there, there, you can always focus on the opportunity or on the obstacle. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, and if you focus on the opportunity for change, that's exactly where people tend, even if, even if they never get their same body back, right. there's, there's an opportunity for evolution of, of another part of themselves that maybe is, is, you know, even more profound than, than, than the physical. Right. Um, so, so that's, that's a big difference in divide line uh, of where we focus with our patients. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle, aluminum-free, baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean aluminum free deodorant, I tried so many different brands and each and every time I was plagued with those red itchy bumps under my arm on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper-clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand, and in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. And that reminds me too of the earlier part of your personal journey, right? When that doctor was like, well, your wrist is, is done. And it's so interesting because I think, be it a physical, like, I think this is such a crucial component of healing that we don't focus enough on is, um, our mindset and you need a team or you can't, I don't think that's something you can just do alone. Um, so right. I think that's pretty incredible, but I do have a, a couple of questions, but I'll just start with the first one because, right. I, for instance, I'll, I'll use a personal example of myself is I have, um, and I'm sure many listeners can relate, but I have pretty bad neck and shoulder pain, like pretty bad. And, um, I know it's stress related, but it caused me to even go to the doctor earlier in the year. And I was supposed to start physical therapy just because it can be so debilitating. So what do you suggest? And I think this kind of goes into my second question too, because, um, I am so interested in fascia as well. Um, and, and when you were talking about it sticking together, it's like, what are some things you recommend we do? There's the mindset component that I think is like, the most crucial, but then what can we do at home for like the physical component for anybody who is dealing with, cause I know I'm not alone with neck and shoulder pain, um, especially in stressful times, but also, right. If we have pain and we don't know if it's our fascia or not, what are some things we can do at home to, to deal with the physical component? Um, in addition so to the it, mental, it costs nothing. It takes three minutes a day and all you need is a flat surface to do it. So, um, you need to lengthen your anterior longitudinal ligament. Okay. So the anterior longitudinal ligament is a ligament that is on the front of the spine. Okay. And, and many important things attach here, your hip flexors attach here, the crew of the diaphragm attach here, the whole mesentery that, that, that holds the intestine in place, um, the, the pericardium of the heart, 
Like it, it is just a main connective tissue. They call it the mediastinum when you add all that stuff together. Okay. And it, it can be a pathway of disease. It can be, you know, um, just a column of tissue that suspends kind of all of these, you know, critical structures. But when we sit, when we don't breathe properly, when we have stress, when we're driving too much, we end up getting a shortened anterior longitudinal ligament. Think of a necktie tucked into the front of your pants, okay? You want to stand up nice and tall, but you're always going to have that necktie binding right at kind of the, the, the apex of the, the curve of your neck, kind of pulling you forward and down. If you want to stand up nice and tall, it's difficult to do if that necktie is tucked in the front of your pants. So you need to untuck that necktie to be able to basically lengthen the spine. In order to do that, all you need to do is lay flat on your back, okay, with the knees bent. You're going to try to reduce the curve of your low back by just doing a, a single pelvic tilt and kind of roll your low back flat on the ground. You're going to bring your chin to your chest and try to bring a long cervical spine flat against the ground so that you reduce the amount of space anywhere between the ground and your spine, okay? You're going to then relax everything, okay? There's no tension with this exercise. It should be totally relaxed. You're gonna put your arms out to your sides wide enough that you can really let your shoulders fall flat against the floor. If you're too close into your body, your shoulders are gonna roll forward and that will make it difficult for, for everything to relax. Once you're in this kind of T position on the floor with your knees bent, all you're gonna do is diaphragmatic breathing. So as you inhale, you're gonna push your belly towards the ceiling. As you exhale, you let everything relax. You're using the diaphragm tendon to organize and lengthen that anterior longitudinal ligament to untuck the necktie from your front of your pants. Three minutes a day, that's wow. it, okay? That will organize that tissue and it'll have a profound effect on your ability to get into that parasympathetic state. It's like taking out the trash once a day for your nervous system and it will reduce the amount of activity in your sympathetic nervous system. It's like a polarity switch. If you wanna be an overachiever, do it twice a day, okay? But don't do it for longer than the three minutes because you don't wanna sacrifice the healthy curvature of the spine, mm -hmm. okay? Costs nothing, it takes you know five feet of flat space and three minutes out of your day, all right? Wow. Pretty straightforward. Thank you. I love giving you know practical tips to people and I think everybody could can do that. Um, I'm curious with with the work that you you guys do because um, you have multiple locations now, correct? We do, yeah. Um, and and I'll, I'll be really quick on the on the business side of it, just so you understand how we are structured. Um, when I moved uh, to this part of the world, um, Northern Maryland, um, the goal was always to open up a humble little office and to take the the continuing education of structural elements on the road, right? Mm -hmm. And that was really that was really the goal. Um, we built a, just a really gorgeous clinic and, and, and figured out a lot of the heavy lifting of, you know, cash practice and all the, the operational, you know, infrastructure of, of, you know, marketing and patient acquisition and yada, yada. Um, so it, when it came time to look at like intellectual property protection and really growing the modality, we realized that we had a whole practice solution, not just what we do in the treatment room, but, but the journey starts when somebody calls in to make an appointment, right? right. And, and how we follow up and the relationships that we build, it's not just hand techniques. So we became a franchise and uh, we, you know, we, we've opened, uh, th we have three clinics right now. Um, and, uh, you know, COVID kind of uh, took some of our plans and put them on the backseat for opening up additional company stores. Um, we still will do that when the world is, uh, is, is cooperating. Um, but now we're offering uh, the ability for somebody outside of our clinics to become an SE network provider, which is basically you can learn the work you can, you know, you pay for the, the, all the coursework to learn the modality. And then there's just a monthly subscription fee to have access to all of our practice solutions, all of our marketing support, wow. all of, you know, our, our mentoring in terms of ongoing patient care and mastery of the work. Um, so, so that's through a license agreement, but, but all the, the franchise of the, the clinics and, you know, regional development, all that is still, you know, in the works and, and, and coming. But for right now, we're, we're kind of expanding the offering just because, you know, the physical brick and mortar world is, 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 is tough right now. It's changing too. Yeah. In yeah, that way. It is. For yeah. Sure. Um, I'm just, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And I was just wondering, like, if someone is not necessarily um, in physical proximity to you guys and the work that you're doing, but wants to learn more and wants to sort of gain that 
um, knowledge for themselves, maybe, you know, empower their own journey for, for healing and, um, how, how would they go about doing that? Is there, is there going to be potentially a virtual option? Do you do virtual? Yes, we do. We, we do telewellness, uh, Mm. appointments. So, um, we can do consultations, uh, via, you know, the, the computer, um, that is something that we do. And, uh, and actually, you know, we did a lot of that during quarantine and, uh, and, and, you know, other, other therapists in the system, uh, were really surprised how effective they were able to be without their hands. And sometimes, you know, we, we have a tool like our hands and we kind of just do things that we feel like, Oh, that's what we do. And we're kind of pigeonhole into manual therapy, but we realized that you can, you know, with, somebody has access to a foam roller, a tennis ball, a a wall to stretch against the floor that they can lay on for three minutes. There's quite a bit that, you know, that you can do in terms of self-care and, and, and we, we pride ourselves on patient education. So we can do a lot of that, you know, virtually. Um, Mm -hmm. But then the other solution is, you know, we get asked all the time, you know, how do I find somebody in my area that does what you do? And I say, just, just bring us somebody who's a good person and has the right heart and an interest and, and we'll train them to be just as good as any of us. Right. So, I mean, and, and now more than ever, that that's an option, you know, okay. so, um, you know, so if people have providers that they're like, you know, wow, I love this person, but I think they would really geek out on what you guys are doing, you know, spread the word structuralelements.com. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> Well, we, we are certainly geeking out. We're fascinated with all this. And I think our body, right? Like it's so important and it's such like a whole system and it's so like, it just blows my mind, right? Like our bodies want to be well, all of ourselves, all of our functions want to be well. Um, and we've just disconnected so far from that. I feel like as a culture and that's why we've gotten sicker and sicker, um, so I'm curious to what would you like to see, like for everyone listening, for the people you interact with, like, what would you like to see? How would you like to see people treat their bodies or, or do differently as a society? Um, yeah. So uh, let, let me go into one kind of, uh, you know, semi-political place without politics. And then let me get back to kind of more my, uh, my my spiritual spin on it. Okay, so so first and foremost, I think you have really great, good-hearted practitioners who went to school for all the right reasons with an absolute desire to care for people and to get them well. And I think one of the things that really is broken in our country, in particular around medicine, is the insurance system. And yeah. the insurance system makes you jump through so many hoops. It treats you like a series of parts. You're only allowed to treat a diagnosis with modalities that are approved for that body part and it's ludicrous people come in with foot pain and we solve it by improving their posture people come in with headaches and we solve it by addressing their feet like you would have to get 10 different scripts to come and benefit from what we can achieve in an hour because we're cash-based and we've sidestepped the insurance system and it's not the fault of the practitioner it's just not you know you start having to chase you know waning reimbursement uh, rates you have to start you know getting busier and busier because it becomes a volume game and it just squeezes the ability for good-hearted practitioners to offer quality patient care because of the system right so first and foremost i'm not i'm not gonna say oh socialized healthcare and healthcare for all or you know whatever i mean i you know it's that it's not i'm not going there i'm not i don't maybe i have opinions but i'm not going to express any of what those are but what i do think is that we have to treat people like individuals not yeah. parts yeah, yeah. Okay? And, and that's and that's what's really you know kind of hard to navigate and the the primary care provider they've just become a traffic director. They don't, they're, they're not the holder of, 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 of your, they're not your advisor in your health and wellness anymore. It used to be that they would send you out for information and they would gather that information and then help you navigate what's next for your, your wellness care. And, and, and the, there's not the feedback loop anymore. Right. It's just farm out to specialists. And then you're just kind of left as a patient to try to navigate it. Right. Yeah. So so that's my that's my pseudo political take. The other part of it is that from a more mental spiritual place, the responsibility of the patient is you have to know that it's your body that will do the healing. Yeah. And you can't be dependent 
on somebody else healing you for you. It's not the right pill. It's not the right exercise that's going to make you better. You have a system of intelligence and the ability to regenerate within your own system. And maybe some of those things aid that regeneration, but the healing comes from within. And if somebody empowers themselves to realize that regardless of outside influence, your intelligent system is what is going to change on its own, then give yourself the right set of criteria for mm-hmm. increasing the likelihood of that event. Yeah. Right? And, and that's, that's a big breakdown as well, that, that most patients don't come in feeling empowered that they are going to be the ones to heal themselves. I love that. And I'm so glad you articulated that because I think there has been, I mean, we could have a whole nother podcast episode about this, um, in all different areas of health and medicine where there's this disempowerment. The first time I really came upon it was when I was doing more research within the world and the business of like the birthing industry, but that like our, our bodies don't know what they're innately designed to, to know. And there's been like this, as Erica mentioned, a disconnect from the fact that there is this innate intelligence in, in the way our bodies have been designed and to just even wake people up to that component that there's nothing innate, like our bodies are, are made in this way that innately they know what to do, even if right. we have been taught to not trust that, I think is an empowering thought to have. It's an empowering thought that a lot of people have never been taught to have that thought. And um, we I know- We are, we are nature. We are, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm curious too, and it's interesting because the other time this came up is we did an episode with two doctors about endometriosis, right? And like women's health is a whole other topic, but she mentioned, you know, this procedure that has proven to be like the most effective for endometriosis is so expensive and like it's and not so covered and not covered. And she said, she goes, I want to help people, but like her own insurance that she has to have is so unbelievably expensive. And she kind of went into that kind of, um, that side of insurance as well, which is so interesting. And again, such a longer, different conversation, but we're all affected by it because it affects our, our everyday life. But I'm so curious too, because we're talking about this and this is kind of different, but it has to do with our body. What do you eat a certain way or do you follow any like sort of diet? Like, does that affect our body? Cause we talk, right. We're a wellness podcast and we talk to so many different people who follow so many different types of eating patterns and habits. But I'm just curious for somebody who is so in tune with their body and works with people's bodies. If you've noticed any sort of specific diet that helps the body from your experience? So um, I'm, I'm a big believer in bio-individuality. What works for one person doesn't work for all. Yeah. So you can't say, you know, in my opinion, you know, if, you, if, if plant-based is your thing, well, what are you doing from nine to five? What climate do you live in? What's your constitution? You know, if, if, if keto is your thing, again, you know, what's your constitution? You know, how, how hard are you working out? What, you know, what are you trying to achieve in terms of your, your active goals? Um, there is no one diet that is right for everybody, in my opinion. However, um, eat real food. Yeah. Okay. So if, if the ingredient list on a package has more than five ingredients, leave it on the shelf. Okay. Use the, 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 the outside, uh, you know, uh, walls of the grocery store as, mm-hmm. as 80% of what ends up in your cart, leave, you know, the other 20% for, for the stuff in the middle of the store. Um, do organic, uh, if you, if you can, if not make sure that it's non GMO and, and that it's, you know, local is, 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 is oftentimes of, of really great importance. And people say, well, why local? You know, it's because they have to, pick food early and they have to manipulate its appearance the longer it travels and the longer it is away from the destination of consumption. So, you know, a lot of those variables are the most important for me. If you eat meat, make sure it's not full of hormones, make sure it's not pumped with antibiotics and make sure it's from, you know, a decent source. Um, If, you know, if you are going to eat plant-based, okay, that's, that's, that's totally fine, but make sure that you're not eating 
you know, just raw food all the time. That's going to really make it hard for your digestion to break down those cell walls. Make right. sure that you're also incorporating warming food. I mean, it's, it's a whole balancing act, right? Yeah. And, and for me, that balance act also comes from don't let it be stressful. It's about nourishment, right? So if, if, the, if, you're, if you're eating all the right things, but it's stressing you out to keep up with the right diet, guess what? It's going to cause stress to the body and the body's not going to assimilate well. Make sure that, you know, food becomes also about fun and about entertainment. And it also becomes about connection. It's, just, in, in my opinion, if you're going to sit there and eat a block of cheese, but you're doing it with your best friend and sipping on a glass of wine and there's laughter and everything else, like you're going to not be lactose intolerant in that moment, right? Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's like, it, it's, a, it's a whole dynamic of, of, of how our body works. And, and for me, I love food. I love to cook. Um, I love cooking with my family. I love cooking with my wife. Um, I like trying, you know, you know, different, you know, recipes out. And, um, but, but a lot of it for us is, you know, if you can connect with a good CSA that, that has, you know, sustainable practices, if you can meet those people, you have that much more of a connection to the hard work that goes into food. I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's really about quality over any, you know, eat this, not that. Yeah. I like that. And I think that's actually like, I know that's how we feel when we deal, do our other side, which is integrative nutrition health coaching, but mm -hmm. also, um, you know, we interview tons and tons of people and all with different sort of what works for them kind of things. But the one common thread that we come back to, regardless of how people choose to kind of structure their diets, is that eat real food, let your food be the ingredients rather than have ingredients. And I think that, you know, I think that is an easy sort of practical rule of thumb to think about when you're, when you're shopping. Um, yeah, yeah, I love the five, five ingredients or less is a, is a good sort of barometer for that. Um, so, you know, we ask all of our guests as we start to wrap up, we ask them a few different questions and I'm curious with yours, um, especially cause you've said, you know, you've talked to us so much about the structure of the body and how to create sort of this healthy environment. Um, but you've also said you've been working over a table for 27 years. So Absolutely. our first question is usually what does your self-care look like and what are your non-negotiables, which is I want you to answer. But also in that it's how do you take care of your body and the pressures on that of taking care of other people's bodies as well? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, um, you know, I, I tell every practitioner that I'm mentoring that I, I, I value the trait of laziness, right? So um, work smart, not hard. So a lot of it is be, instead of just going through the motions of doing everything on everybody, do a good analysis of what needs to change and only intervene where intervention is necessary. So I don't waste a lot of motion, right? So that's first and foremost is I reduce the demand by, by working smart instead of working hard okay so that's the first thing then invest in good equipment i mean you know i've got high low tables in all my rooms i've got all the props i need you know i've got good equipment to make sure that if, if i have a thicker or a thinner patient that i get them at the right level for me that you know that, that i take my time to get them propped in good positions and make sure that that i manage you know myself um eat you know, frequently throughout the day, you know, that's keeping your energy level up because, you know, um, just fatigue, uh, you're going to develop bad habits, the more that you're fatigued versus keeping your energy level up. Um, so I also um, have learned that I simply have a limitation in how many uh, people I can treat in a week's time without starting to compromise my alignment, my health, you know, my, my balance. And so, you know, the temptation is just keep grinding and, and keep collecting fees. Well, guess what? That, that's not a sustainable, you know, reality. And so I only treat 15 hours a week. That's, that's as much. I can do about 35 patients in that time. Um, but, but that's, you know, for me, that's kind of the sweet spot in terms of work-life balance to have, be able to see my kids, you know, uh, get out the door in the morning for school, you know, be home shortly after they get home from school mm -hmm. so that my work-life balance is in order. Um, you know, make sure that I have some days uh, for, you know, kind of white space on my calendar to, to make sure that I'm keeping up with, with both me time as well as, you know, just having the ability to, 
to you know bake in some unstructured time. We we all are uh, we have we have a lab that we call it, which stands for Learn and Apply Balance. But um, we have uh, stall bars, which is the ladders in there, and uh, TRX and foam rollers and all this. We're constantly all in there, you know, uh, monk, monkeying around right right over there. Yeah. So that's that that's kind of my sanctuary of, of self care, and uh, and we all take care of each other. You know, we really prioritize as a culture here that you know just you know, raise a, raise a hand and say, Hey, you know, can you crack my back or, you know, can, can you work on my hip or, you know, like just make sure that we're making time for that. So. So the next question we ask all of our guests is, is there a book that has been particularly inspirational to you along your journey? It can be on this topic or on anything of your choice. Yeah. So the hands down the, the book that has influenced me most and kind of how, I live my life from from a kind of a central theme is uh it's called um, Sacred Path of of a Warrior and it's by Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche um and and that was the founder of the college that I went to the Naropa University um but there's you know it takes all the the again like all, all the all the religion out of it it's not it's not a religious book in any way shape or form um it's really about uh, becoming a, a warrior of, of bravery and of vulnerability, not of aggression and, and not one that, that fights. And so there's, there's kind of a central theme in there of trying to harmonize your inside realities with the outside world and kind of dissolve that divide line between, you know, what you desire inside and kind of how you live your life on the outside. And that, that's right down to the clothes you wear, the place you work, you know, the food you eat, you know, like just the, he calls them the drawlas. It's basically that internal and external reality. And, uh, and the other thing is, is what he calls the, the heart of sadness. And, and I absolutely love this because it's the, the idea is we always want to protect ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And that the bravery of the warriorship in this book is, is about letting, letting yourself be vulnerable, right? Being authentically yourself and, and letting your heart get broken so many times that there's nothing left to break again, that you're just able to allow experience and emotion to just be. So you're not labeling sadness as a bad and, and happiness as a good. You're just experiencing emotion. You're experiencing thought. And it just, you know, it kind of is very liberating as a result. Mm. And so that comes back to that opportunity obstacle thing for me is it's just, it's really that, that, that pain point I look at as, as, a, as a point of stagnation. And there's an opportunity to let it soften, let it dissolve away and to harmonize with the internal and external world by being brave enough to be vulnerable. You know, and, and it really comes down to that as, as, like a, as a core pivotal philosophy. I've got a big uh, picture of him right above my fireplace, uh, smoking a cigarette and drinking sake, you know, and it's just, he's just a real guy. He's just like, you know, it's not like he's in, you know, in robes, you know, sitting in the cave somewhere. He's just, you know, a guy in real clothes with real problems, but he's just, you know, he's profound. I've always, I've always really appreciated that. Well, you're speaking our language, Erica and I are actually both practicing Buddhists. That's how we met each other. (laughs) There you go. So, um, okay. The final question that we ask all of our guests is that what does being courageous mean to you? So, yeah, I think it's, that's a, that's a, that's a great segue from, you know, from what we were just talking about and, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of take a different approach to it. You know, I used to work with a lot of kids, um, in outdoor education, I used to take them backpacking and rock climbing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and we would say, uh, you know, get out of your comfort zone. Right. And so being, being courageous has something to do with, with, with being willing to be uncomfortable. Right. And, and, and there's a, there's a point of which that becomes violent or that becomes a harmful or hurtful or careless. Right. But, but there's, there's a lot of zones outside of comfort before you're careless or reckless. Mm-hmm. And so I think courage really comes from taking risks of, of, of failure, taking risks of not being great at something, taking risks of looking silly or stupid or, you know, and, but it's, it's going outside of that comfort zone to try something new is, is kind of where I connect to, to courage. You know, um, the image that comes to my mind is like getting my daughters to jump off the diving board for the first time right? It's like, they're totally safe. I'm right there, you know, but it's out of their comfort zone. 
right? And it's, it's that kind of courage that teaches you and reinforces your ability to do more than you ever thought possible. And once you start expanding that comfort zone, you keep realizing and reaching for, for greater and greater achievement. You know, and, and, and that's, that's, that's where I get to, like, I'm a sucker when it comes to triumph, right? You want to see a grown man cry? Like, let me see somebody be triumphant of overcoming an obstacle. And that's, that's where it just goes right to the heartstrings for me, you know, and I'll stop at nothing to help people along that journey. You know, that's, in my opinion, that, that's where it's at in life. Well, thank you so much. We've really enjoyed this conversation and thank you for everything you shared. So for anyone listening, where can they find you? Where can they get in touch with you? Uh, tell us everything. Yeah. So, uh, Doug at structuralelements.com. I'm, I'm really responsive to email. If somebody has a question just, you know, about anything we talked about, um, uh, www.structuralelements.com is our URL. I mean, that's got links out to all of our social media and blog posts and things like that. Um, it's probably the easiest way to, to connect with us. Um, that's a, that's a patient facing site, but it does have links out to, you know, the franchise opportunities and, and, and opportunities to become part of the SE network provider. Um, and, and really, I mean, you know, for, for us, if there's one thing we're trying to do is, is go on a crusade of, of breaking down the egos and the barriers of practitioners and take the competition out of it make it all about connecting to what is best practice for helping people and promoting wellness. And so, uh, you know, even if it's a, uh, you know, my so-called competition or, or a colleague that, you know, is like wanting to really understand more about what we're talking about, I welcome the dialogue. I mean, it's just really about learning from each other to, uh, to get us all to a healthier, happier place to enjoy the things that we love to do. So, um, so that's what it's about. Thank you so much. And I think this is going to be equally as interesting for practitioners, this episode, as it is for patients as well. So Hopefully, I appreciate yeah. you being here. And yeah, I uh, so enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness. <laughs>